Southeast for the last years, <laughs> and uh, we are doing the one on angels and geology, and uh, we are talking about Satan's strategies, and we're under his. We're talking about his sneak attacks, and the last time we were together, we talked about that he has these sneak attacks through false religion, but uh, we also now come to through false philosophies. And uh, as we think about that, in Colossians chapter 2, we have this text of Scripture in verse number 8. And the Apostle Paul says there, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world. And here's, here's the key line, and not according to Christ. So what happens is people uh, have this tradition and they go by these man-made traditions and they put the traditions of men above the Word of God. And what happens when we do that, we flip-flop what we should and we start believing things that are man-made rather than things that God handed down to us. And by doing that, we get tricked and we have this philosophy, which means knowledge, which means to, to grow and to, and to learn. And philosophy in and of itself is just fine. But we have the philosophies of this world that mislead us, lead us astray, and then they suck us in. And pretty soon, instead of believing the Word of God, we believe these traditions that we have begun to pass down. And by doing so, we deceive ourselves, and others are deceived as well. So what we must do is I keep coming back to, listen, you must continue to feast upon the Word. Because if you don't know the Word, you can't possibly defend your position. But once you know the Word, then you can defend where you stand. But not only through philosophies, but also through the questioning of God's Word. And uh, that happens so often. I mean, think about believers you used to know that were pretty strong believers in the Word, and then they started drifting. And as they drifted, they believed less and less of the truth and more and more of the lie. Now, how does this happen? Well, in Genesis 3, we have one answer for this. In verses 1 through 5, it said, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may not eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat it. And then she adds, Nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So she adds to the Word of God. And then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and knowing evil. So we begin to question the Word of God. Did God really say this? And Satan basically says, You know, that, did God really say that? And she knew that God said that. But she adds to it, but then she begins to doubt it. And, and if she's being deceived, as many people are deceived, then you begin to say, well, you know what? That doesn't sound right. I mean, think about it, think about it in, in the context of, of uh, what we have going on in our world today. I mean, I, I, I don't have Facebook. My wife has Facebook, and she shows me pictures. I'm not a big Facebook person. It's fine. I know there's a place for it, but I know there's a lot of time that's misused on it. You know, people can just get lost scrolling. I'm not really as concerned about other people's life as I am about my own life. <laughs> and so I, I need to be sure that I'm thinking about what I need to be doing, not what somebody else is doing, right? 
I know that's kind of meddling. I know. I apologize. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But but what what I, I want us to know is that we can take that time that we're spending doing something that is not profitable and we can use it doing something which is very profitable. I mean, most of us, if we were to add up the time that we wasted, I wonder how much time it would be. You ever thought about that? I, I, this, was, this was told to me by Mark Guffey this week that his dad told him, because Mark would say to his dad, you know, I, I, I'm so looking forward to this, and it'd be like a week or two weeks or a month away, and getting past this. Have you ever said that? If we could just get past this, and, and you know, there's always something else, though, isn't there? You get past what? But his dad said this, this to him, and he said, he gave me some very wise counsel. He told me, he said, Mark, don't wish your life away. Right now is the only time that you have. This moment, this day, this is what God has given us. So enjoy this moment, this day, this time, because down here, we may not even get there. But we have this. So take the day that God has given you. Enjoy that day. Don't doubt. Don't question the Word of God. Believe that He has created this day for you for a specific purpose, and you're to carry it out. And guess what? It goes down in the record books of heaven, the things that we do. So we need to be about His business, not doubting the Word of God. In Genesis 2, 16 and 17, I put that down. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you shall surely die. So that's what God had said. And then you saw in Genesis 3 what was added to that, the doubt of the Word of God. Well, then the adding to the Word of God, and then pretty soon you begin to disbelieve the Word of God. So... Really, really, really important that we hold fast to truth. And, and if, if God's Word says it. Now, don't misconstrue God's Word because it can be misconstrued. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. Right? And, the, and, and, and by the way, just a quick lesson. If you're reading the Apostle Paul, you know what the best interpretation of Paul would be? Paul. So if he says something in Colossians, you find it over in Ephesians, then you probably need to look at both and say, okay, how how does this work? Let me give you an example. The Apostle Paul says, For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourself it is the gift of God. Not lest any man should boast. Right? We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Now, you read that, it's by grace that we're saved through faith, not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. Then you go to the book of James, and what does James say? Well, faith without works is what? dead. And then people say, oh, well, now they're contradicting one another. And no, here's the deal. Listen, Paul, Paul was an evangelist. James was a pastor of the church at Jerusalem. The pastors say, listen, you need to get involved, right? You need to be working for the glory of God in in the local church, in the kingdom. You need to be doing something, get actively involved. But if you misconstrue that, then you say, well, then I've got to work for my salvation. Oh, wait, didn't it say that Jesus finished that on the cross? So you see, you you need to be sure that you don't just take a verse and run with it and take it out of context because then it becomes a pretext, therefore no text at all. So be very careful. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. And what often happens is we... uh, 
we go to seed on one thing and we continue to point right here, right here, right here when we need to take the whole thing in context. Next, through tricking Christians to compromise. (laughs) And the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, Paul gives us some really good advice that we should probably take every single morning that we awaken. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Are you going to be, in your daily walk, are you going to be challenged? Yes. Yes. What are you going to be challenged with? Well, the wiles of the devil. What are, what are some of the wiles of the devil? What are some of his tricks? What, what are some of the things he does? Lie. Deceit. Father of lies, wasn't he? John 6, John 8, 44. Yeah. But watch what it says next. We, don't, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So what transpires in our world and what transpires uh, in, in, in our countries is this. People begin to be deceived. They begin to, be, to compromise and they get tricked into thinking something's okay when it's not. I don't, I don't speak much about it, but everybody knows where I stand. I'm absolutely against abortion. It's murder. I don't care how you wrap it, it's murder. I was asking my physician one day, I said, tell me, because I, I don't want to look at a in an image. I said, tell me how that works. Dr. Kaufman explained it to me, and he said, it is sickening. Sickening. And he said, anyone that had to watch that, as that baby struggles and dies, you couldn't possibly say, it's okay. With a clean conscience. But 55 million babies in America have been put to death. Beware of his strategies. It's okay. First John 2, 15 through 17. Through this compromise. Do not love the world of the things of this world. That's talking about the the philosophical system of this world. Don't be caught up into it. Don't buy into it. The love of the Father is not in anyone that loves the world. The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. Now think, think with me about this. The lust of the flesh. What does that mean? Fleshly desires. Right? Right? What are those fleshly desires? Well, it can be sensual. It can be physical. I mean, there's a lot of ways it can be Right? We see and we desire the lust of the flesh. I want that. And then there's the lust of the eyes. Guess what? Hey, who doesn't like shiny, pretty things? I mean, honestly, right? But it's one thing, it's okay to like it, but it's another thing to be caught up in loving it and desiring it to the point that it becomes sin in our life. And the lust of the eyes. I wish I had that. And then the pride of life. I. Me, me, me. 
is not the father is not of the father but it's of the world and the world is passing away in the lust of it but he who does the will of God abides forever hey anybody here remember the first new vehicle they bought raise your hand quickly just be honest okay anybody yeah didn't you just, oh my goodness, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I just love that vehicle, that truck or car. But for me, it was a car. And then a few weeks later, a payment came. Well, it did, diminished it a little bit. And then time came and you'd go to Walmart and somebody would door ding you. And that would diminish that. Then pretty soon... You almost begin to despise that. I remember Barbara coming to the office one day, and she and Harry had gone and bought a new vehicle, and I can't remember what it was, but she had previously had an escape. And she said to me, I wish I had my escape back. And I told her, I said, you know, Barbara, I'm going to put that in my files, and one day I'm going to use it in a sermon, but I'm going to use it in a sermon title. I want my escape back. Anyone that misses salvation and ends up in the pits of hell, guess what? They want their escape back. Right? I thought, what a great title for a message. That escape is Jesus. (laughs) But anyway, that pride of life, that lust of the the flesh, that, that lust of the eyes, beware of those strategies. Secondly, be cautious concerning his power. Be cautious. I've heard a lot of Christians rebuke Satan. There's one way to do it, and there's a lot of ways not to do it. And Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, tells us, I think, do we have that? We don't? Okay. All right. Are, are we, it's a new outline, I think, guys. Let me just go ahead and read that. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers uh, and uh, against the rulers of this dar- of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of weakness in heavenly places. And again, those are his strategies. We, we, we think that we're fighting with one another. When behind the scenes, it's like the puppet master is moving us. And that puppet master can be Satan. So be really cautious. And concerning his power, because his power is greater than our power. The next passage I want you to see is in the book of Jude, and it's verse number 9, I believe. Do we have that? Okay. Uh, It says, Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Now, Michael's the archangel. As the archangel, Michael is the highest-ranked angel in heaven... And yet he would not bring an accusation against the devil. Instead, he says what? He gives us the formula. The Lord rebuke you. God, you take care of this. It's too big for me. You handle this one. And that's what we should say. Lord, this is yours. You take it. I'm not capable. And then the next thing we need to do is we need to stay alert. We need to stay alert. And uh, 1 Peter 5, 8, you, you know this passage of Scripture. You've heard me quote it. You've read it. But it said, be sober and be vigilant. Now, what's the word vigilant mean? Beware. Pay attention. Perk up. Look around. Be sober. What's being sober mean? 
Well, I think we all know. Be sober and be vigilant. And because if you're not sober, you can't be vigilant, right? You ever arrest anybody that was vigilant, that, wasn't, that was sober? No. You're not in your right mind, are you? No. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, if he is out there like a roaring lion, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to be out there in the same area with a lion. Right? And if he is a roaring lion, you know why it says a roaring lion? You know how, you know how a lion stops his prey in its tracks? By roaring. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine being in the middle of the jungle and hear that roar and knowing I'm the next meal? Well, it can happen with Satan as well. So stay alert. And don't give him any opportunities. Don't give him the opportunities because we often give Satan the opportunities to work through us and to mislead us. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27 it says, Nor give place to the devil. In other words, you don't give him a foothold in your life. You don't give him the opportunity to gain any ground. You keep him at bay. And how do you keep him at bay? It's very simple. You stay in the Word. You stay in a mode of prayer. You stay actively in fellowship because you need them all. And you depend upon Him, not yourself. So don't give Him the opportunity. Don't, in other words, don't put yourself in a place where you're going to have to question, do I do this or do I not do this? Because you don't want to compromise. And a few weeks ago in Sunday school, we were talking about who? Guy thrown in prison? Joseph. And Joseph had already made up his mind that he was not going to give in to having an affair with Potiphar's wife. Even though I'm sure she was quite beautiful and it says he was handsome. And he was in the household every day because he was over their affairs. But he had already made up his mind that he would not do what? Give place to the devil. He had already set the boundaries and said, I won't go there. And when you set those boundaries, you've already made up your mind. You're not saying, well, you know what, I'll compromise at a cost. Because it's so easy to compromise, isn't it? Isn't it? Right? But when you make up your mind, here's where I stand, and you refuse to move, even though it cost him what? 13 years of jail time. But he refused to compromise because he had already made up his mind he wasn't going to break the heart of God. So don't give place to the devil. And put on the whole armor of God. We're going to read that entire passage out of Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. In other words, don't depend upon yourself, but be strong in the Lord and in His power. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, here's what you do. When you've done everything you know to do, done everything you've been told to do by the word, after you've done it, just stand. 
stand. Here I stand. On the solid rock I stand. <clears throat> stand therefore having girded yourself with, girded your waist with the truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So we need truth righteousness and have shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now why does it say that? Because they took the gospel so it's, it's to be prepared so we need the gospel of peace. And above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So put on the whole armor of God. Have that faith. Take that gospel. Have that shield. Have that helmet. Put on, prepare yourself when you're walking throughout the day. That you're, you're intentional. Intentional about what? Intentional about living for Christ and intentional about sharing the gospel with others. Intentional about building new believers and, and not only get making converts, but making those converts into disciples. How many opportunities do we miss daily? I'd be afraid to know how many I've missed. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4 also says, <clears throat> For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Again, Paul, both passages, Ephesians, 2 Corinthians. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. And here's what they're for, for the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what are those weapons of warfare? Well, I just read them. Just read them out of Ephesians. Those are the things that we need to continue walking worthy. And Paul tells us that we, have to have, we, that we need a worthy walk more than anything else. And guess what? <clears throat> I remember years ago, I was brand new to the ministry. Uh, I had taken the church at Viola, and, and I was visiting with my grandmother, whom I greatly admired. And I said, Grandma, I said, uh, How do you really know that you're making a difference? You know what she told me? She said, when lost people respect you for what you stand for. She said, because they're watching. They're watching. And if you stumble, you've lost them. You've lost your testimony. I think she was right on point. So we need to be careful that we walk worthy. We need to rely on God's power. Again, back to Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Again, totally dependent upon Him. Rely on His power, not our power. I don't know about you, but I, when I rely on me, I'm weak. And I am going to fail. Why? Because my flesh says I want this. I want that. That looks good. But my Lord says, walk worthy. Keep your eyes fixed fastly upon Jesus. Finish the race. Continue moving forward. Relying on God's power in 1 John 4.4. 4. It says, you are of God, little children. And... 
have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So what's that saying? Rely upon God's power, the presence of the Holy Spirit of God within you to overcome the temptations that you're going to be assaulted by. Be prepared. Be dependent. Rely on God's power. And I love that, you know... That the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of God's promise. And what we need to do is realize the guarantee of the Holy Spirit of God is more valuable than anything else. And it will take us further than we could ever take ourselves because we are limited. But He is not. Thirdly, Romans 8, 37 through 39. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I love that word conquerors because it says, you know, that, that word may, basically means that, that we can be at war and we're going to win. We're more than conquerors. We're super conquerors. For I am persuaded that in the ten things, neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, you know what, what God's saying, or what Paul's saying? Uh, he's saying that the Holy Spirit of God put, told him to put pen to parchment and write these things. Nothing can separate you from my love. Stay connected to me. Rely upon my power, and I will get you through because nothing can separate you from me. Nothing that's created. Nothing, on he- nothing in heaven, nothing on earth, nothing under the earth, nothing can separate you. I have you. Trust me. Depend upon me. Rely upon me. I got you. And the last thing I want to say tonight is this. Resist them in faith. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Therefore, here's the key, submit to God. Submit to God. Now, I know we as Americans, we don't like to submit to anybody or anything. We're proud, right? I'm not going to submit. What do you mean me submit? Well, if you've ever been in the workforce or if you've ever been in the military, you know what submission is. Because when I signed on the dotted line going into the military, you know what they said? You are now the government's property. Right, John? <laughs> and uh, you, I mean, you basically signed over the rights of your life. They tell you where to go, when to be there, how long to stay. Right, Claudia? Whether that be at Vietnam or Panama or Spain or Little Rock or anywhere else. And they can tell you to go in a moment, be prepared, be out here and you're gone. When are you coming back? When are we coming back? I don't know. That's not your, that's not your concern. You learn to be submissive. You're submissive to the authority that is above you. And God is above us. Submit to God. Therefore, submit to God as we rely upon Him. And then resist the devil, and then he will flee from you. But we have to first learn to be submissive. And I've had people tell me, I will never be submissive to anyone. Well, then you can't be saved. Because we have to submit to our God. 1 Peter 5, 9. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by the brethren in this world. In other words, you know what? Trouble's going to come. Difficulty's going to arise. But what you're to do is resist him in the faith, knowing that the sufferings that you're experiencing... And, and as Peter wrote this, Peter was, was going to lose his life. 
are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And guess what? All around them, people, believers were losing their lives. Why? For the gospel. Ephesians 6, 11, 13, and 14. I know we've read this, but I want to go back and hit it one more time. To put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then it tells us in Ephesians 6, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Standing therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Listen, these are the things that we must do. So, resist him in faith. Understand the proper rank. Be committed to the word. And be faithful to the end. You know, we've got a, one of our deacons, Bob Coleman. Hasn't been able to be in church in the last three, three and a half years. But every time I go, you know what he said? I'm going to get out of this chair one day and I'll be at church. And I, wanted, and I know physically that's not going to happen. But I know one day he'll be out of that chair. He'll be in this church right here. But his spirit will be in heaven. And you know what? Don't you love people that say, you know, that's where I want to be, is in church with fellow believers. To me, that's exciting. Amen? God bless you. Let's stand together. Glenn, would you dismiss us?